From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, and this is episode number 60. Today's show is brought to you by the great people over at Braintree, Igloo, and MailRoute. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Mr. Mike Hurley. How are you, sir? It's good to be back. In the intervening uh, time between between our uh, this episode and the previous episode, we saw each other. Yes, it's like we recorded many episodes of Upgrade, but nobody yeah. can hear them. No, we didn't record them. We just performed them. Performed them, yes. Pri- privately. Uh, we did. We were, uh, you and, and Stephen and underscore David Smith were on Clockwise last week. That was a great episode, actually. That was a lot of fun, and it was the only podcast recorded by us at Release Notes. We didn't do a liftoff. We didn't do an upgrade. Just that Clockwise. And boy, did that feel good to not have to worry about the scheduling whilst, mm. whilst on a little trip. But that was a nice, nice episode of Clockwise. If if you have not heard Clockwise before, you should start Go episode listen. 109. Yeah, that's a great place to start. There's very little continuity in Clockwise. You can just dip in. If you have yeah. 30 minutes, you could listen to it. Indeed. It's easy. Easy. Easy peasy. Should we do some follow-up? Uh, I think that would be great. So last week we were talking a lot about Force Touch. And yeah. me and you were both uh, basically lamenting the development of OS X in this regard, and saying that it seemed like the tools weren't there and or the activity wasn't really there. And Abby wrote a great email to us. Um, and Abby wrote in and, and uh, they included um, a bunch of different scenarios yeah, he, that he is, can be used. Abby is a is a like a power a power user and I, I actually exchanged email with him about this because uh, and I think I think it's really interesting. He so what he said is that he wants he wants to be fast and do things as quickly as possible. And I thought it was really interesting. Like he doesn't like the fact that there are some of the shortcuts where you kind of like click for a little bit and then let go and wait. And then something happens like to rename a file. It's like, it takes too long. It's very, it's sort of John Syracuse like, it's like, I don't want to wait. I just want it to happen right now. Right. Um, and so I get where, where he's coming from. Um, but uh, but what's interesting is the things. What the 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 point was? Oh, you guys are selling Force Touch on OS 10 short. Look at all these things it does, and um, and we we can go through them. Um, but I I think I actually mentioned all of these. But we can we can get into that. Do you wanna do you wanna uh, go through the list here with me? Yeah, I want to mention a couple of these because I pulled out some that I thought were quite interesting. So, um, for example, you can Force Touch a document name to rename it. Right. Right. I mean, you can also uh, just click on it for a for like a second and let go, and the rename box will appear. Or you can press return, which is what I do. I find that I, a lot of a lot of my mouse gestures that I think of as mouse gestures are actually mouse and keyboard gestures. Um, and you know, it, it, nice that you can do that entirely with a mouse. Although then you have to type the name, so your fingers are on the keyboard anyway. Um, but but you can do that. And I did not know that that one forced open the the rename in uh in the finder immediately i didn't realize that it did that so that's that is a it's a nice little tip um i i don't notice that because i you know i like i said i i'm selecting and hitting return and that's that's muscle memory from a long time ago but that's a good one you can quick look a document by just pushing down into it although yep. i've i've found uh in just testing out playing around with it today when you use column view like i do what you end up mostly doing is activating the renaming of the file name <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because because it's different whether you force touch on the um on the name or on the icon. Yeah, and obviously the majority of the the kind of clickable area is the name of the of the file. In that view, yeah. But it is possible if you don't click in there. But you can do that. So uh, and that one is one of those that I roll my eyes at a little bit because again, for me, you know, you can you can do that or you could just press the space bar 
which yeah, it's just a little it's a, just a little different gesture to 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 click and then and then tap a key versus not. But fair point. So you can do a type of peek as well. So like you have peek and pop on iOS. So hmm. in if you if you force touch on a link in any WebKit view, so Slack for example counts as this. It kind of shows you a preview of the web page. Yeah. And this this is in the category of most of the ones that Abi mentioned, which is what I I referred to last week as the three finger click shortcut. Apple at some point added this three finger click, which is basically like a bunch of extra stuff that isn't you know isn't in a control click, and they wanted another gesture for it. And so um, on systems that don't have a force touch trackpad, it is the and have a trackpad, it's the three finger click. So that that uh, web page preview is is the repurposed three finger click that I mentioned last week. Um, on a word, you get the dictionary definition. Um, on an address, anything with the Apple data detectors technology that's got like an address will show uh, maps. That's all coming from that same thing. That's the it's the repurposed three three finger click gesture. So this is the thing, right? So there is some stuff here, but I think this is where the problem lies. In that on iOS, a lot of the stuff that is behind Force Touch is stuff we couldn't get to before. It's stuff that was right. created. It's stuff that didn't exist. But on OS ten. It is more of a repurposing of features and that are already there and are already perfectly accessible using the tools that currently exist. So I think part you end up with two two issues. One, I'm not going to do most of these because I my muscle memory is in the other way of doing things. Um, and the other is like it's not very exciting because it's not enhancing functionality in any way. It's just giving me a different way to trigger certain functionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, also this goes back to again we did talk about this yesterday, but or last week, but it's follow up. Um, this is the challenge that on on the uh, iPhone, what you're talking about is secondary. It's a secondary form of input, and here we already have the keyboard and we have a right click. And I mean, there's so many things that have already been wired in, and I think the most important thing is that we already have a secondary click. And it's the it's the right click or control click or um, I do it all two finger click now because I've been using the trackpad for so long. But that so that means that all this other stuff, you know, Apple did come up with some of these features and 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 you see them and these are the ones that Abby mentioned uh, a lot of them in this three finger click thing that that uh, that they created um, or 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 tap. But um, they are all it's just kind of a collection of extra stuff, because the main thing is you get a contextual menu with all the most important things when you do your secondary click. So this is this tertiary click that I I don't know. This is I mean, this is what I was trying to say last week. And if I wasn't as clear, then just to restate it a little bit, the challenge on the Mac is finding like what what is the unifying principle of what a force, uh, a, a force touch, a force click does on the Mac and have it available and have it be uh, understandable and unified. And and uh, and the challenge there is that you also have a right click and that you can't count on force click being a thing. So I just think it's a, it's a work in progress. But while there are these things that have been around for a while for this third click that Apple kind of introduced for the trackpad um, a few years ago... Um, the challenge is that it's kind of all over the place. So that's that's my frustration here is that is that I'm not sure there's I don't want to say that it's easy because it's not. It was much easier in that way to put it in iOS because iOS could really use a second kind of interaction there. On the Mac, we've got an, we've already got an alternate click and we've already got keyboard shortcuts. So you know there it, it's not an easy 
problem to solve, but um, it, it I've never thought that the three finger shortcut stuff made was really unified in any way, and it seemed to only be limited to a few features. I just realized something. You know, we were com- we were complaining and bemoaning the the naming issue, three D touch and force touch. It's actually three names, right? Force touch, force click, and three D touch. Well, force click isn't. That's just a a. a thing you do in a force touch trackpad right the, i think force touch is still the the feature name and then there's an action name which is the which is the force click it's confusing because i was uh we we were debating this when we were updating my book about uh photos for mac uh we had a section in there about uh, photos on ios and we're debating what the verb is for when you when you 3d touch something are you 3d touching it or are you using 3d touch to press on something as opposed to tap. It looks like in a lot of Apple's documentation, they actually do use the word press, and it seems to be differentiated from tap, uh, but it's weird. It's weird stuff. So so there's a lot going on here, like what's the feature called? What's the verb that describes when you use it? Um, it's all over the place. We're still figuring it out, I think, all of us. Yeah. I just got sent some breaking news, Jason Snow. Oh, yeah? Google is bringing podcasts to play music. Well, we've been we've been uh, talking about that for quite a while now. That well, there were lots of rumors that they were working on on podcast stuff because they're they're behind. And um, I was telling somebody, I think it might have even been at release notes when we were talking about um, the the fears of a gatekeeper in in podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that you know Apple built this thing, and and I think all the stats show that iOS devices are vastly more likely to listen to podcasts than Android devices. Um, and one of the reasons is that Apple's been pushing podcasting for, for quite a while. So, very interesting. A little real-time breaking news. Something for us to look out for. Mm, yeah. And deal with and change all of our processes. Hooray! Yay. <laughs> well, hopefully not Hopefully not too much, right? Ho- hopefully so. this is Hopefully this is just... Uh, uh, another like another directory, which I think would be would be great. Yeah, that that's what I hope it is, and I hope that they are completely compliant with all of the standards that everybody else is using. Um, because Apple don't ask you to do anything specific in the feeds, for example. They're very good at that. The stuff you can do, you can do uh-huh. extra things, but you don't need to do any of them. Um, so I, I hope that it remains to be that way. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. So we maybe we'll follow up on that a little bit later. Um, I wanted to do a few pieces of Back to the Future follow-up. All right. So we totally called the USA Today cover. So on Thursday, October 22nd, which made sense because it was the newspaper was the day after the day that Marty and, and the doc went to, right? So they arrived on October 21st, 2015, but the newspaper was the next day's newspaper. So on October 22nd, 2015, in the real world, USA Today did a wrap of their newspaper with the front page of the USA Today from Back to the Future 2. And then on the back page, they had an ad for the 30th anniversary edition and also for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. I was luckily in the United States of America, and I got one. And I'm very, very happy that I have one because this is a really nice kind of little memento of the movie. But I thought it was funny because we said they should do this. It'd be great if they did this, and then they did it. Yeah, that's cool. We called called it. Um, We were were all at, at at the release notes conference um when this uh when this day happened which was kind of fun you put some slides in your presentation you were giving the presentation that that Mm -hmm. day so that was that was a lot of fun too um 
Yeah, we uh, we did. A, oh, there was a couple people were asking about uh, the Mike at the Movies feed on the Incomparable and what the difference is. And I guess we should restate that that again that the, the idea is that we're not going to have new stuff in that feed. That feed's just going to be the excerpts about movies from relay shows where you're talking with me and Casey and who knows who else, if ever, um, about about movies, and they'll they'll all get excerpted later over 30 days later at the Mike at the movies feed at the incomparable but it's yeah. not meant to be like a new podcast where you watch a movie every week it's it's literally like a place you can go if you just want to listen and i've heard from people who said oh yeah i just listened to this one because i think sometimes you miss you miss it or you're listening to a tech podcast and then you get 90 minutes in and they start talking about a movie and you're like yeah well i don't have time to listen to this right now so having it as another place you can go uh on demand or you know not digging back into our archives where we're talking about news from a year ago and talking about the incomparable on the way home um on the plane i listened to episode 41 where uh, you all discussed it was was it you uh dan morin was it dan frakes dan morin dan frakes lex, lex and, and serenity yeah um and you spoke you, you did like an episode about all three which is quite funny back to the future movies so still early on in the incomparable when you did three three movies in one episode um and I really enjoyed listening to it. But the thing that I found the funniest about it all was your opinions were the same. It, to the point that you even said, I can't remember what it was, but you said some of the same stuff. Sure. Which is just fantastic, right? That your my, opinion maintained my, over this My opinion hasn't changed in the last four years, no. Um, and that it just really made me smile. But it's a great episode. Um, and I enjoyed it very much. And it was fun to, to hear everybody talk about this stuff. You know, I assume that I assume that you experience this when you're editing podcasts that you're you're listening to a, the conversation and you have you have this thought of what you think about what was just said and then you hear your own voice on the podcast say exactly that. I, yes, I, I, that that happens to me all the time. Or I laugh and I hear myself laughing the same laugh at the same time as I'm playing it back because I've responded to that statement in exactly the same way. Uh, it just you know, I did it four days ago and I I do it again when I played it back. It's funny. And, Weird. Yeah, and talking about things that I did on the plane, Back to the Future oh. related. Uh, I'm 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 like 15 minutes away from finishing. I need to finish it. Uh, a fantastic documentary that I backed on Kickstarter called Back in Time, which is a documentary about um, it's kind of interviews with the cast and creators of Back to the Future in part one of the documentary. It's like a two part documentary, but it's all in one part, right? They just split the two hours into two mm. one hours or whatever. Um, and then the other part is like about the fans of the movie and it's just fantastic. If you are a Back to the Future fan, you should go and rent or buy this this movie. It it was really, really good and I enjoyed it immensely. So I double thumbs up on that one. All right. I have to check it out. Yeah, you really should. It's it's fantastic. It really, really is fantastic. And now it's it's out, it's you can rent it, you can buy it. Um, and you just go to their website, which is backintimefilm.com, and you'll see in there the secret cinema event they, 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 that I went to in London. They they shot some footage of that, so you get to see ah. what that's like, and they did a good job of capturing just how special a thing that was. Um, so I really thoroughly recommend it. It's an excellent watch. All right, I think we've come to the end of follow-up for this week. So let's take our first break and thank our friends over at Braintree for sponsoring this week's episode. Code for easy online 
payments. If you're a mobile app developer, you should be checking out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by so many apps that we all use every day, like Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Uber, Living Social, Montreal, and many, many more big apps with loads of customers who all buy stuff. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical. And now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive the payments that you need quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment. So this is when people will maybe go onto your website and they'll add something to their cart and they never check out. They're helping to beat this by offering best-in-class mobile checkout experiences to you. And they make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. And you can add a similar experience to your own app. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types, that your customers may desire, like PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and many, many more, all with just one single integration, and you get access to all of those different payment methods. Braintree will be with you across all platforms, and with this superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service and fast payouts, you're going to wonder how you ever worked without them. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com upgrade. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of this show. So Jason, in between our last episode and this episode, Star Wars tickets were released. Oh yeah. Did you buy any? Uh yes, I did. I actually it, it's funny I had to think about it because I didn't when everybody was freaking out about Star Wars tickets. Um oh they're on sale, they're on sale. I can't get them. They're the the site's crashed. Uh I I went and I put in our zip code and it brought me to uh, a page that said, well, it's playing in downtown San Francisco and it's playing in Emeryville and it's playing in, I don't know, Daly City or something like that. Not not where I live, just things that are close-ish, but not where I live. I was like, all right, well, something's going on here. I'm not going to go, you know, take my family into the, into the city on a Thursday night to see a movie. That's not going to happen. All the traffic, parking problems, things like that. It's not going to happen. Uh, the next morning, I uh, I went back on the site just thinking, well, you never know. I've seen that happen in the in the past where they add sort of other theaters later, and sure enough, the the big single screen movie theater reputed to be George Lucas's favorite movie theater here in Marin County uh, had been added, and the Thursday at seven p.m. show was available, and so I bought uh, I bought four tickets. So the family is going. My daughter has finals the next day. I don't care. Uh, we're all gonna go. <laughs> We'll be home by 9.30. It's fine. She'll get some sleep. If, if she's going to need to do her studying before we go to the movie, that's what's going to have to happen. But yeah, we're going to do it. So so we're, I, I, the way I figure it, I'm uh, I'm going to see it on the 17th, but uh, because of time zones and many other reasons, you will be seeing it before me. Yes. Well, not only is it time zones, uh, it is coming out a day earlier in the UK. Right. And well, so I'm going to see it on 11.30 a.m. on the 17th. Can you go see it on the night of the sixteenth? Would you? Did yeah. you have that option? And yeah, then you, we, bu- you bypassed it. We right. can go at midnight, but I don't. I don't want to do that because I don't. Well, need technically, to do that's that. technically that's not the se- the sixteenth, and that's the seventeenth. And it comes out here in the United States starting at seven p.m. on the seventeenth. So I think technically, oh really, it comes out in both countries on the seventeenth. Yeah, we're seeing okay. it at seven p.m. on the night of the seventeenth. So. Maybe we can see. Let, I'm going to find out if it's possible to buy tickets earlier. 
Because the yeah. the midnight the midnight showings have proven so popular that they've started showing them earlier. So now now you actually get most for for a lot of these wide releases that they expect a lot of uh, people to come and see. They extend the the weekend essentially to Thursday night, and that they're they actually put in two showings sometimes on Thursday night for for these blockbusters um, to extend the weekend through um, through. Uh, you know, it's Thursday night and all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So yeah, we're going at seven PM on Thursday the seventeenth. Well, that's interesting. However, the kind of the official release is, is the seventeenth there and the eighteenth here, yeah. But I will be seeing it at eleven thirty AM on the seventeenth. Yeah, that's what well, I'm you, be doing. You'll have me beat by like a lot. <laughs> yeah, many, many hours. And by it, like fourteen hours or something like that. So like I could see it earlier, but like I'm not yeah, so it starts at midnight showings here on the 17th. That's that's when we get it. So you can watch it at 0001 on the set on Thursday the 17th. It doesn't seem like that there's any showings on the 16th. Um so my feeling is I want to see it at my local cinema so it doesn't take many hours out of my day. It's not the best cinema, but yep. it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um and if I go at 11:30 a.m. on a Thursday afternoon or whatever day it is, Wednesday or Thursday afternoon, there's not going to be anybody else in the cinema, right? Or there'll be very, very few people. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to see it and then I'm going to be happy. So that's when I'm going. I'm going at 11.30 a.m. on the 17th. And I'm going at that time in the morning because I want the maximum amount of time to gloat online that I've seen the movie uh, without having to watch it at midnight. Because if I watch it at midnight, I might be tired okay. when I'm watching it and, and I, I really want to be like engrossed. Um, and I've already booked my second viewing because Adina is going to be away. She's going to be back home. Um, and when she comes home from Romania for Christmas, uh, we're going to go see it together on New Year's Day. Wow, you have planned ahead. Well, she wants to see it. And I figure I might as well book tickets because I have no idea how busy it's going to be, right? Like it could really pick up. It's just funny that, that you've bought tickets for a movie that doesn't that, – that- a showing of a movie that's not for more than two months. Yeah, but you know, I I have I have tickets for December, as well, mid December, and it's not yet November, so it's pretty crazy. What a world we live in. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it is funny to, <laughs> when you think that I've already bought tickets for a movie in two thousand and sixteen, right? Yeah, <laughs> you might have a problem. Yeah, the problem is love, Jason. Mm. Talking about love, yes, I have a new computer. <gasps> yes, it's time. It is time to talk about my iMac as my Does Mac it... Pro sits here very sad. Mm. Um so I I set it up on uh Sunday. I started the, the setup process which was when I got home from Indianapolis um because I figured I might as well just do it. So I I was doing a migra- I did migration assistant. Um I did it by Thunderbolt which is fantastic. Yep. Absolutely yep. fantastic. It, it migrated, like, I don't know, like half a terabyte or something in about 45 minutes. Um, but I have to say, though, I have to say, and this is my, my current bugbear at the moment, is Apple setup processes. And I have another problem here, Jason. The majority of apps that I downloaded from the App Store when I tried to launch them I was told they were damaged and had to be re-downloaded. Oh, and, yeah, that's that same thing. Yep, and do you know what you have to do? You have to delete the app, put in your password, because you have to drag it to the trash, put in your password, and then re-download it. But it doesn't tell you that, 
right? It just says damage, redownload from the app store. So you go to the app store and you can't redownload it. It just says open, right? Because it's already installed. So it's like another thing where it's like, this is another problem that shouldn't happen. And Apple don't give you any kind of guidance as to how you need to fix the issue. So I had to just delete. I've been I've been doing this over the last couple of days because as I'm launching apps, right? Like, oh, it's damaged. I was like, great. So I delete this one, put in my password to delete it. Go to the app store, re-download it. It maintains all of my settings and stuff, which is interesting. I'm not really sure how that's happening, right? If I delete the app, shouldn't everything go with it? But I don't want to think about that. Um. So, but that's just an annoyance that I've had. So, that is basically the only annoyance that I have with this machine, and it's more an OS. It's definitely an OS 10 problem. It's not a. It's not an issue with the with the um with the iMac. The screen is incredible. So, you know, I, I've been using Retina machines for a while, so the Retina doesn't blow me away, right? Because I know what that's like. Right. But, but it's a lot a lot of Retina, though. It's a whole lot thing. of Retina. <laughs> that's what I love about it. So it's the resolution. So I have it on the, um, the one up from best or no. I have it. So, you know, if you've got you five settings, isn't there? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, there's the if you choose scaled, there's the default setting which is not scaled, and then there's two larger text settings and two two more space settings. Yeah. So I have it on the in the middle between default and more space. Right. So the looks like twenty eight eighty by sixteen twenty. Yeah. It says. Yeah, we'll go with that. I I um, that is one of the two settings I use. Sometimes I use that setting. Most of the time, I stay with the default. But sometimes I feel like I have too much going on, and I want to. Uh, I, I I want a little more space. Why do you go with 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 default? Um, because I'm 45 years old, and having everything be uh, a little bit smaller has its disadvantages. Yep. <laughs> and and that. because I and because on a 27 inch uh, computer, I I don't often feel like I need more space. <laughs> Also, a lot of what I'm doing, you know, is writing things. That those are little windows with text in them. It does, they don't need to be. <laughs> they don't. They, I, you know, I don't need huge amounts of space for stuff like that. So, I, you know, I, I I go back and forth, but I find myself just staying with the default a lot, be, mostly because I don't feel like I need more space most of the time. So, um, in the chat room, uh, Skimman has asked about the specs. I thought I'd just run over quickly what I did get. So, uh, 27 inch. Retina 5K iMac with a 4 gigahertz Intel Core i7, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and a uh, 1 terabyte SSD. So we'll just run over that again. Very happy with that. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with the screen, which is fantastic, is how great it makes split-screen mode. Because you could just have... Because the apps are just so large right in full screen you put it was actually with the setting that i have you put them into split screen and you can see so much of the content right um which is fantastic and that also in a funny way has made me excited for the ipad pro because Mm. i can see the benefit of like two basically full screen applications side by side because i always felt like with my mac pro and also on my uh retina macbook that I could use apps side by side, but they were always felt constrained in some way. But on this machine, it they do not feel constrained in any way. I feel like I have two full size apps side by side, which is great. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes there are certain cases where I feel like it's it's good. 
Um, but most of the time I feel like that the screen is so big that I don't need, I don't need to go into split view because first off, I could probably have more than two windows open. Like it's such a big screen that two windows open at once isn't, that's sort of like too much even then that you really need to subdivide it further. And most of the ways I work, I've got more than, more than two things open. Occasionally I'll find a really good use for it, but, um, I feel like it's for, for me, I'm more likely to do it on a small screen because, Two, you know, two things side by side on an 11-inch MacBook Air, um, it makes sense. And and you know, when I have two things side by side on my on my Retina iMac, I think I could have more things here. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I use full screen though, right? Like I am a full screen person. Yeah. So that's why this makes more sense to me. So like I have it does Chrome in full it does screen. it does make more sense than full screen on the 27-inch. Yeah, so I, I have I'm Chrome at. in full screen constantly, right? Um, and if I'm filling in maybe oh. a Google Doc or something, or when I was doing our show notes today, I put notes on the right side where I'd been taking some notes, and then I had Chrome on the left side, and I was just uh, copying and pasting in some some things. I am a one of the full screen people. I, I like to have things in full screen. I have a lot less in full screen. Pretty much the only app that is always... Well, I have two apps always in full screen, Google Chrome and iTunes. Um, mm-hmm. And... I will sometimes throw something else into into full screen, but since, this is since I started using the Mac Pro with the 25 inch monitor, um, I started to put less into full screen than before. So, like, I have two desktops: one which is my audio desktop, which has all the recording stuff and where I edit, yeah. and then I have my kind of work desktop, which has all of my other apps in. But I do like to use full screen. Like, for example, when I was working on my presentation, Keynote was in full screen. Um, when I'm when I'm in an app like that, I, I do I do quite like it. Uh, the speakers are fantastic. Um, coming from the Mac Pro, which is like it basically feels like it it has like an iPhone speaker in it. Like the the Mac Pro speakers are horrific. The internal ones they are really quiet. They sound mm-hmm. terrible. Um, and obviously, with the Mac Pro not being directly in front of you, it always sounds like it's to the side, right, or like underneath, depending on wherever you put the Mac Pro, right, because it's not the screen. The speakers are always going to sound like they, the sounds always coming from wherever the speaker is, which is usually not right in front of you. Um, and I know that a lot of people plug their computers into other speakers, but I don't have that and, and don't really want that. Um, so, but the the speaker on this thing is incredibly loud, and it sounds really, really good. And I'm very, very happy about that. Um, one something that I also really like that probably nobody cares about: the power button is way easier to reach. It feels good to click. I do shut my yeah. Mac down every day. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, that's, that's cra- that, that'd be crazy. Yeah, I don't know why people. I know a lot of people do that, like just leave them sleeping or whatever. But but I don't like to no. do. I just like to turn it off. Just turn it yep. off. And I'm no, happy. it feels good. It it starts it starts up really fast. You yeah, know, so you like it doesn't even matter. It really doesn't matter to me. And I just think just just turn it off. Like I don't yeah. need it to be on because if it's on, the USB pre is on, and I don't like to leave that on. I agree. Um, exactly like I really right. don't want that on. Yeah, I don't want I don't want the USB uh, interface on. I don't want the I don't want my Thunderbolt hub on. I don't want anything on. I want it I want it off when it's off, and it's nice. It's a nice feeling when I shut it down and everything kind of goes out, and I'm like I'm done, and I walk away. And if I need to come back, and because I forgot something, oh no, I have to wait 20 seconds for it to start up. I mean, it's almost no time at all. So so yeah, yeah so I I start my day by pressing that that button along the back of the of the iMac too, and it is it is uh, satisfying. So Quick. because on the Mac Pro. It's in an awkward position around the back of the little cylinder mm. thing, and um, the click isn't very nice. But on the iMac, because the iMac's so thin, it's really easy to get to there. 
and it has such a really nice the button is just very nice it's a very nice button it's very satisfying to click it I won't mm. do it now because it would turn my Mac off yeah but don't do it it's good um Okay, so this might just be a placebo thing, but it, this feels faster than my Mac Pro. Now, on paper, it should be, because the processor is is, is more powerful. Um, but it might just be one of those things where I'm like, new computer's quicker, hooray! But mm. it, it, what, however you slice it, the machine that I have sitting in front of me is a monster. Like, it's fantastic. It's really powerful. Um, it is, of course, the most powerful machine that I've ever owned. Um, and it feels that way. Um, and I am very happy because the work that I do, there are bottlenecks. Um, and this is the same with anybody that is a, like, you know, creates the type of stuff that we create. There are always bottlenecks and like bouncing or exporting and stuff like that. And this, this machine, it, it helps me edit podcasts quicker. It helps me reduce all of those, those loading times. And then not, yep. you know, all of these things are like, you know, well, what am I saving? Like 10 minutes or something, five minutes, a couple of minutes, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. But it doesn't matter because in the aggregate, this stuff adds up. And when I'm, you know, like today, I will be editing three podcasts in total. Um, so all of that time saving is beneficial to me. And I like to have that. And, and I feel like I get that from this machine as well. Yeah, I, I think that uh, most tests will indicate that the Mac Pro is still going to beat it for, you know, really threaded uh, multi-core kind of tasks. But for a whole lot of tasks that don't that aren't aggressively throwing um tasks out on you know threads out onto all of those processor cores it uh you know it's just i i share your i share your feelings i I was coming from a a macbook air so like you i was coming from a device that had an ssd so that wasn't it although your ssd you've got the new you know whatever it is two and a half times higher bandwidth uh, ssd on top of it so uh yeah it should it should uh it should feel fast. It's not as dramatic as going from like a spinning hard drive to an SSD, but still, it's a, it's a good thing. You're you're all SSD, is that right? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So it was expensive because I, I bought uh-huh. the terabyte, but Whew. I yep. was I don't currently have like an external storage solution, which I feel like I should get. But yeah, I I have I have one of those. Yeah, you do you have a Drobo? I have a Drobo, yeah, and I have a, I have a half a terabyte of SSD. What do you think about the Drobo? Because I have some people tell me to go Synology, some people tell me to go Drobo, and I'm not sure. So uh, I don't think I have an official like an official recommendation about any of that. And we can talk about this on another show. Boy, that worked wonders for the ATP guys. They talked about Synology and Drobo for like 80 episodes. Um, it, it it varies based on your needs. I have also heard people say that they love Drobo and people who've had a lot of problems with it. I have had I've had it for a year and had no problems with it at all. Um, I also I do back it up, but it's also got the 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 redundancy on its own hard drives. So um, theoretically, if one of the mechanisms fails, I can just pop it out and put in a new one. Um, and I like that. I it, mine is a is a Thunderbolt. Uh, Drobo, it's actually attached to my Mac Mini, which so it's not a NAS. It's just an external drive on my Mac Mini that runs that runs all the time, and that's my server. And I have a server that runs all the time, so it works for me. Whereas for some people, it makes more sense to have something that's a network attached device that's just a huge disk. But I've got it. You know, it's on it's on gigabit Ethernet here in my house. So I'm moving just today. I posted episode six of the Incomparable Radio Theater, and that was a project episode four and six because it's the same cast. We're one big project, and it was kind of nice to be able to move that off of my iMac and, and to the Drobo um, and you know it was whatever it was copying uh, it, 
I don't know, 20 gigabytes of data. I mean, it was a lot of data, a lot of data. And uh, and uh, to see it kind of just move off of my drive via gigabit Ethernet to a server where, where it will live and be backed up and has some redundancy is kind of nice. And then I, I, I keep my my workspace. Well, let's see how much I've got like 40 gigs free right now on my on my iMac itself for local stuff. So I, I shuttle things back and forth sort of as I'm working on them, but I'm very, unless I'm encoding video, I, I very rarely get to the point where I run out of space, but I, you know, it's, it's really nice to have a big server somewhere where you can dump your files when you're done with them. Yeah. No, I, I just haven't decided on a solution yet. Yeah. No, it's, it's a tough one. I feel like it's, I feel like, uh, it's kind of shifting, and people have, have said for a while now that it wouldn't be nice if there was a more consumer-friendly kind of server idea, and I think everybody decided that, that it wasn't worth it because clouds, internet connections are getting faster and cloud storage is cheap, and so people are sort of assuming that like in the next five or ten years, you won't need to worry about it. Um, the problem is that's five or ten years away, and people who have... Uh, connectivity issues, which you do, you don't have a super fast internet connection. Oh. You want to have storage locally, and and so b- since there's no, you know, the investment here has been a lot less than you might expect, given that there is probably a, a an easier way to solve this. But there are there are products out there, and you know, I do recommend you getting something, uh, whether it's a a, a a NAS like the Synology or or Drobo makes a NAS version, or whether it's something like a like a you know a big big attached storage device of some kind i don't know there are lots of the, i i agree with you i ended up with the drobo through a chain of circumstances that you know but it fit my it fit my needs but i am happy that i've got this giant like 20 terabytes or whatever it is 15 terabytes of data sitting across the room for me that's nice that's a good feeling yeah well, i'll see I, I just it's one of those things i just don't know what to do i mean as well like it's fine at the moment like i don't mind kind of trashing um logic files after a couple of months when they're in the shows that are topical so yeah. they're out of date right like we, we're never going to go back and do them again but like yeah i've got 105 gigabytes of clockwise episodes that i could trash and you don't it would be them. fine yeah it you would don't be fine them, i don't think no. uh, the mp3 files live in multiple places i have backups of those but not the logic files um but shows where the content is more evergreen i i do keep the the logic files um, so, like for example, Cortex, I have all of those. Um, I have um, the Inquisitive ones and stuff like that. Like I mm-hmm. keep those. Um, but like this show, we don't we don't really need it. Um, after a couple, like I do it every like maybe every quarter. I I kind of bin the previous. So mm-hmm. like after a few months, if I've not needed it, I probably won't need it again. And I'm sure someday that will come back to bite me. But right now, that's that's yeah. provided to be fine. Oh, I, I wanted to mention before we move on, mm-hmm. since we we're talking about SSDs and devices uh, and things like that, I wanted to mention. So my mother had a uh, 2009, mid-2009 uh, MacBook Pro, and I used this for one of my some of my device testing last week. And I realized that what I, what I need to do is, um, is get rid of it. Um, so what I did was I actually bought uh, an SSD and, um, and more RAM and 8, eight gigs of RAM and, uh, and opened it up last week and... Uh, what was amazing is this six-year-old computer felt just unusable. Even even a year or two ago when my mom was still using it and she switched to an iPad, um, it was just so slow and awful. And the thought occurred to me when I was reviewing that 4K iMac, which has the spinning hard drive, and I thought, God, spinning hard drive is the problem. So I replaced that in this 2009, mid-2009 uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro. And it's great now. I mean, it's never going to be the same as a cutting edge MacBook Pro that you'd buy today. But uh, for a hundred and 
20 bucks maybe 110 bucks i put in the ssd and and now it's running el capitan and it's got eight eight gigs of ram and it's actually pretty great so now i'm gonna sell it to somebody because i think it would be i didn't want to sell somebody my mother's old slow awful computer but by replacing the disc and adding more ram it's a it's a perfectly serviceable uh cheap computer even though it's five years old six years old so that's a little story, yeah. SS, this, the, bottom line, on modern computers, the disc is the thing that is going to kill you. The, yes. The disc is, you got That's just don't buy a spinning disc if you can help it. And if you have to buy a spinning disc, buy a fusion drive. But yeah, it's just, they're so slow. Even the fast, even the fast ones are slow. And in an iMac or a laptop, it's usually not the fast one. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird how like we made such, or Intel, not we, you know, I, I, it was nothing to do with it made such massive jumps in processor technology, right, with all the core, core stuff. Um, and it really, you know, it became quite a, quite a thing. And it just, we made massive jumps and continued to make massive jumps. But this stuff, like the storage stuff, really it didn't, didn't kind of like go along with it, you know. SSDs are fantastic, but I bet there's still a bottleneck. But you yeah. know, if you're still looking at computers today that are being sold new with hard disks in them, that's a problem. As yeah. we've we we have many other people have lamented in what yeah. I am dubbing the year of storage woe with Apple. <laughs> All right. We'll you take know? it. Do you think about it. the sixteen gigabyte iPhones, the fact that the iPad Pro is thirty two or one twenty eight? Um, you've got the Apple TV. Like, why is it in two different storage uh, solutions? Nobody understands which one to buy. And then you have spinning disks in IMAX. 2015 is the year of storage problems. Great uneasiness in storage-related issues for uh, for Apple this year. All right, let's talk about these magic devices and my opinions on those. But before we do that, let me take a moment to thank our friends over at Igloo for sponsoring this episode. You should know Igloo. They make the internet you'll actually like. If you are stuck looking at an internet that hurts your brain every time you see it, or you're stuck in a certain location to use your internet, or you have to use a specific PC, you don't want to have to live like that. This is 2015. You know, Marty McFly's running around on hoverboards out there. <laughs> you want to be able to use your internet on any device that you have. You want to use an internet that features responsive design, that allows you to br- completely rebrand it, customize it, and build it so every team in your in your company has all the features that they need. That's what you want, and that's what Igloo give you. Igloo understand that in 2015, people like to work from wherever they want to be. You can be working at a client site, you can be in your garden, you might want to do a bit of work on the bus. With Igloo, you can do all of this. You can share status updates. You can access documents. You can see the latest version of a file. You can see the comments that people have left on them. You can manage a task list. You can do this from wherever you want to be. You can also integrate services that you love and use every day, like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox, and you're able to integrate them into Igloo's platform so everything stays secure and safe within the entire platform, within the company platform, so people aren't taking documents and putting them on their own devices. That is a terrible security risk for a lot of companies, and Igloo make all this safe. Talking about security, they have 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and Active Directory integrations. A lot of that stuff doesn't make complete sense to me, But having worked in big companies, I'm familiar with those terms from the stuff that I used to see and use. And I worked for a bank, right? So I don't think you can get, like, if I know those terms from working in a bank, you know that Igloo's got some secure stuff, 
right? Because this is the type of stuff that they're integrating. With Igloo, you can also share files with your coworkers in their own document collaboration engine. And the great thing about this is you can track who has read certain documents with read receipts. So let's say you're sending around the latest fire safety document. And it's, you know, by law, you have to make sure that everyone in the company's seen it. You don't have to run around now with a piece of paper and a pen and check off everybody's names. You can just see in Igloo, it'll just say Bob Red, Mary Red. So you'll know. It's fantastic. It's time to break away from the internet you, you hate. If you're using something that makes you sad, you should be signing up for Igloo right now because you can try it out for free for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you like. So you're going to know if you're going to get on with it, and I'm sure that you will. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash upgrade. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and Relay FM. Yay. So, magic devices. I bought all of them, right? Mm, magic. I didn't even take the mouse out of the packaging. Um, I decided it's got nothing I need in it. Uh, and and sounds uh, about right. You I've mentioned it. it to, yeah, I could sell it. I'll, I'll keep it, right? Because it's just there now. Right? It's whatever. Right. It, came, it came with the device for as much as I'm concerned. Um, and mainly this is because I I mentioned this. Uh, I'm going through some RSI problems right now. I'm switching around inputs and stuff like that. And I know that the Magic Mouse is not going to be helpful in this scenario because it is not built for ergonomics. It is built for beauty. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. need to use it. I have a Magic Mouse that I use on my laptop when I'm on the road because it's nice and small, um, and I get to to use you know the the gestures and stuff. So because I mean, see for a trackpad, I mean trackpad's terrible. The mouse is pretty much just as bad. So I just can kind of flick between them with different hands, right? So that's fine. But I don't use that too much. So I uh, needed two keyboards, right? Because I was doing moving documents with the migration assistant and stuff from one machine to the other. So great, I had the, the new keyboard and I remember what Jason told me to do. I just plugged it in, right? Yep. And it paired. Bingo. Excellent. Didn't need to go through the rubbish with it, even in like the setup screens. Plugged it in, plugged it in, done. I do not like that keyboard at all. <laughs> I really, really don't like it. It's very pretty. I love the way it looks. But that key travel, I cannot abide. Um... It feels worse to me than my MacBook Pro keyboard. Uh, and I, I mentioned this to Stephen on Connected, well, and he it, you it know, reminded me. <laughs> you know, I know it is. I know, but worse, it, just because the travel's different doesn't mean it's worse, right? It depends on where you True. come from. I find it worse. It is different. It's shallower, but I don't like it at all. Um, Stephen prefers it to his MacBook. Interesting. Because he, he's saying he likes the stability of the keys. People have... People have opinions. Yeah. I mean, because the keys are stable. I could feel that. But it feel like, I felt like they weren't going anywhere. Um, and, and I use the Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard. So it's very different. I mean, I started using it for a moment. I was like, this is just going to set my hands on fire like to use this thing. Because, again, not built for ergonomics. Uh, but the key travel, I don't know what it is, but the key travel is, is quite deep um, on, the, on, the, on the Microsoft keyboard that I use. Um, so... I couldn't use it, but I, I tried it, oh. and it's it's very nice to look at. Okay, but it's just it's just not for me. Well, um, and, are you still and using there is it? nothing there is nothing more personal than an input device, and especially a keyboard. Mm-hmm. And there is no one right answer for what the best keyboard is. That's that's the funny thing is we have like all the jokes about uh, Marco Arment and the and the MacBook, uh, the adjectiveless MacBook being uh, having a bad keyboard, and I don't like that keyboard either. Um, but some people like it, and that's fine because every, people's bodies are different, and and the the needs that they've got for their uh, 
for their devices are different. And there, there is, you know, we don't live in a world where there's only one kind of keyboard to get. And there's a reason for that. And it's not because some people are wrong. It's because different keyboards work for different people. Yeah, they do. I, I'm still I'm still using it, although I'm uh, I'm uh, going to go back to my Logitech Easy Switch keyboard and try that and see how I like that and sort of do the reverse thing and see if I notice what's different going back to the one that I was using before I was using the the Magic Keyboard um, just to just to see. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm a good I'm a good litmus test for this because I use a specific keyboard for a specific reason that the uh, Magic Keyboard is not built for. Um, right. I have kept the Magic Trackpad around, though. Um, I like the size and feel of it. I think it actually does look nicer than I expected. I still wish it was black to match the iMac. But it is uh, it's good looking. Um, I like the, the form factor that it kind of mirrors the iMac screen re- like uh, size, right? So it's, it's right. not a square. It is a rectangle, which makes sense for mapping, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even though I know that it's like inertial and momentum based, so you don't, it's not directly mapped anyway, but it just makes sense in my brain. Well, you, you're moving around a wider, an area that's wider than it is tall. So your pointing device is wider than it is tall. That, yeah. Which you know, makes sense. Basically makes sense. Yeah. Um, I am still having the issue with missed clicks. Now, sometimes like if I'm clicking and dragging something, uh, I do something, maybe I don't press hard enough and it loses it. Um, I've noticed this a couple of times moving documents around and moving logic around and things around in logic. Now, maybe I'm more sensitive to this than other people. Maybe I don't do a good enough job of clicking. But the thing was, the old trackpad, I never missed it because it was physical. So as long as I was keeping the, the pressure down, it worked for me. Sometimes what I found is like, maybe there's been a slight variation in the pressure and the trackpad believes that I've taken my that I've intended to stop this click and begin a new one. That's what I think is going on here. Hmm. Um, I never missed the old with the old one, right? Because I could like press down with my thumb and move with my finger, and it was fine. But there's something going on. Maybe like I'm pressing down my thumb and then pressing down too hard with my finger at a certain point, and it's registering a new click. But the physical trackpad on my MacBook Pro and on my when I used the previous Magic Trackpad, I never had, a, and this was never an issue. Like I never noticed myself doing something that was unintended when moving stuff around. You know, like that was never a thing before. Hmm. But this is the thing that I am seeing, and, and I need to, to to pay more attention to work out what I think it's doing. But basically, my feeling of it is, it's because it is not physical. There is software, or there is something that is trying to understand what I'm doing, and it's it's it, when you take away that physical element. It will, in my opinion, it will never be right 100% of the time because it's doing more judgment of the movement that I'm making rather than the movement I'm intending to make. Um, What I have noticed, though, is using my MacBook Pro trackpad is now less satisfying because I can't click anywhere I want. And I found that really interesting. Huh. You mean like the, the diving board thing where you can't click higher up? Yeah. So, like, it's not as easy to click in the top part, naturally, as it is in the bottom part. But that's not an issue on the Magic Trackpad, too. I can click anywhere I like, right? And it registers just as nicely. Um, So that is an interesting feeling. My my clicking is entirely done with my thumb. Mm -hmm. So it's always at the bottom. 
well, that's how I always was. But it's funny how in just a day or two, it's changed that. And then I used my MacBook Pro and was like, oh, I can't do that now. So huh, interesting. Found that found that very interesting to see. Um, it is hilarious to me that it makes that clicking sound. Mm. Uh, and I did I did turn the clicking off, but it still clicks anyway, so I just left it on. Well, if it 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 makes that vibration, and the vibration makes a noise. It's just not the higher frequency click thing that they have a little speaker in there to fake for you. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. I re- I find it more. I encourage anybody that has one to turn the click off in system preferences, so you can just hear the difference. It's funny to me. It's clear. It it sounds like an artificial click. It is a funny sounding click, and I like yeah. that. And I kind of like that it does it. It's on. It's on the um. It's on the MacBook at least. I think has the same yeah. thing. Yeah, it would do. I assume that they I, do. I have silent clicking turned on, which isn't entirely silent. But since I'm doing podcasts and things, I figure the quieter the better. So I have it turned off. Um, I really like that you can turn it off and it breaks your brain. You know, because it's like it actually doesn't move. And oh yeah, when you when you just yeah. flip the switch and turn it off, it just it's no yeah. longer responsive. Yeah, and that's something that I like to demonstrate to people in my family. Right. So like I, mm-hmm. I said to Adina, like, come here and click this. And I turn it off, I click it now. She's like, oh, it's just a funny little thing, right? It's it's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, look, all in all, like the Magic Trackpad is the winner for me uh, because it actually does do some stuff to improve on the last one in ways that are meaningful to me. Like the size of it is nicer. Yeah. The uh, the overall package is nicer. Like it's, I like how much lower it is to the desk. Um, and there i can see there being some benefits with the force touch stuff uh eventually but as i say the 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 downside is removing the physical click um i think does uh make the um it is less less accurate uh, and and i think that's just the nature of moving it in the way that they're moving it but i do i do really like it but the other ones they're not for me they're, i can see that they are great for many people they're just not for me, and especially the mm. mouse, because it's like all you've done is just make it rechargeable via a lightning cable. So right. what I may do is I actually may replace the one that I currently use. I just thought of doing that. Why don't I do that? So then I don't ever have to worry about rechargeable batteries again. It's like the one mm. that I keep in my travel bag. I'm just going to replace that. So I'll just use the one, because I always have a lightning cable in that bag, right? Right. So I'll, I'll do that. But Yeah, so that's one thing that I will do. But aside from that, it's not it's not massively useful for me to use mm. every day. Perfectly reasonable. Um, Apple TV went on sale. Um, as you very rightly have written in a document, I don't care. I did order one. <laughs> uh, I did. I did order one. I don't care about it, but wow, I ordered wow. it so I can. So I won't be sitting here going, "Duh, Jason, what does it do?" Right. I. I want to wow. have one. It's a business expense. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I really don't care. But I'm interested in what seeing if you do. Yeah, well, I'm I'm interested to see what it what it can do. I um I I placed my order. I actually placed my order from the plane um, when I landed in Phoenix on the way back from the conference. I turned on and saw turned on the the, the turned off airport airplane mode, and it said on Twitter, "Oh, Apple TV orders are starting now." And I went to the Apple Store app and went, you know, boop boop boop, bought it. <laughs> it was just uh while while we were taxiing to the gate it was pretty funny the world we live in uh so mine is coming early next week i didn't pay extra for for shipping if they have them in uh in stock at the apple store i might go up there if i can get one early but otherwise i'll i'll check it out 
next week and and uh, and try it then. I got the smaller storage one because I don't. A- Apple seems to struggle with this, right? And we've we mentioned it. You mentioned it earlier in the year. This is the year of store Apple struggling with storage things. Um, it's still really unclear about why there's a big one and a small one. And um, <laughs> Apple's response was sort of like, well, if you got lots of games, you might want to have the big one. And that we may find out that there are some very specific things that are better uh, on the big one where people start to load up on a lot of apps and they run out of storage space and they have to delete something. And we may we may find that. But right now it's kind of unclear. And I was trying to explain to sort of regular people about why they're the two models and what how they vary. And when I say, well, one of them has more storage and they say, well, does it matter? And I have to kind of shrug and go, I don't know. It may not matter. Um, but I bought the I bought the smaller one. And we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that there isn't a clear reason that one is better than the other that Apple isn't telling us yet, because that would super suck. Because their reason is just like, maybe you want more games? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to be interested in this device from a user perspective. You know? Yeah, well, know. we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll we'll see what the deal is. I, I think apps apps will start to come out. I did hear from somebody who was doing a um, had a developer unit. Um, I forget. I'm not going to say who it was. Um, in case I did not talk to them on a podcast about it, and it's not public. But the point was that the developer unit, you know, you could swap it in for your regular old Apple TV, except for one problem, which is um, the it didn't have any apps yet, right? Because yeah, they're like, empty. Like test- like testing an iOS device, it doesn't have apps other than Apple's apps, which means that you know the old Apple TV came with YouTube and at one point and Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. And the new one doesn't. The new one doesn't come with Netflix. You have to download the Netflix app, I believe, which is interesting. That's you know, and so that's going to be a change too. Is that you you need to actually go and and download the apps that you wanna that you wanna bring on board and, and use. But we'll see how it is. I I'm looking forward to it. Um, it should be kind of fun play with the Siri stuff. Um, but in the long run, you know, I was telling somebody last week that um, my family that I was visiting, they were asking what box, you know, what what box we had and what about the new Apple TV? And I said, honestly, we don't use much of it because we use the TiVo and the TiVo has, our TiVo not only records stuff off of TV, but it streams YouTube and it streams Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Video. So I don't use my existing apple tv very much and we'll see if this changes that i think it's time for ask upgrade i think it is i think you're right and i'm very excited for something uh well could it could be this it could be that an old friend of us of ours has returned they have indeed could you please tell our listeners about our old friend well hashtag ask upgrade this week brought to you by our good friends at mail route yay you know, email is very important to, to our daily lives. Uh, we don't necessarily love it, but it is usually a necessity. You get a ton of it. Inboxes are full of uh, important things and junk. And there are tools out there that will help you deal with the junk, but there can be a lot of issues with those tools too. Um, that MailRoute is filtering for your mail before it even gets to your mail server, pulling out the junk, uh, the uh, the bounces, all sorts of other bad stuff that uh, never even reaches your inbox. Uh, thanks to the email nerds who do nothing but email at MailRoute. That is, that's their story. All they care about is filtering out your email. That's what MailRoute is all about. It stands between you 
and that big bad world with spam viruses and bounced email throughout. You open your mail and you see only the regular mail that you wanted. It's the stuff that you need to get on, get on with your business or your life. And the rest of the stuff never makes it there. It, it never arrives. The bad stuff just vanishes into thin air because it's been trapped by mail route before it even gets to you. They are the most reliable team in email protection. They've been doing this since 1997. If you have your own domain, no matter who hosts it, MailRoute can help you. They can step in the way of all of that bad stuff. You don't have to install or buy any hardware or software. You don't have to maintain software over time. MailRoute does all that for you. It's a service. It lives in the cloud. It gets your mail in, sorts it, and then passes on to your mail server only the clean email. The rest of it is kept in a holding bin in MailRoute land, and you don't have to deal with it. They save you money in hardware, bandwidth, and other precious resources like time. It's easy to set up. It's trusted by large institutions like universities and corporations. Even ACM, which is the world's largest and oldest governing body for computer sciences, uses MailRoute for their email protection. As a desktop user, the interface is super simple and effective. You get a little email a reminder that shows you what the hot subject lines in spam are this week, which I find very entertaining. Super easy web interface to click in. Uh, to whitelist things, to whitelist domains or individual addresses if you've got somebody that you want to make sure their email comes through. But mostly, it just works. I, I know that is a cliche to say that, but I'm telling you, mostly, it just gets it right. It doesn't It doesn't uh, filter good mail to spam, and it doesn't send through spam. It's pretty amazing. I guess that's because they're the experts. And if you're an email administrator or an IT professional, they've got plenty of tools for you. There's an API for easy account management. They support LDAP and Active Directory, TLS, Outbound Relay, even mailbagging. Oh, mailbagging. How I it's have back. missed you. Mailbagging. Big hug for mailbagging. Mailbagging. Every, everything you'd want from the people handling your mail is delivered by MailRoute. I've been using them on my domains for a couple of years now, and I couldn't be happier. It is, uh, like I said earlier, it the the rightness of what they do, the fact that they get it right. Occasionally something will be a false positive or a false negative, but it, it, it is so rare that I can pick them out. It doesn't happen very often at all. It really is an amazing feature. Gets the spam out of my life for good, and it can do the same for you. So here's what you need to do. Go to mailroute.net slash upgrade for a free trial and 10% off for the lifetime of your account. That's mailroute.net slash upgrade. And thank you to MailRoute for being a friend, for returning to Upgrade and supporting this week's hashtag ask upgrade. Lasers. Brent said, is Apple Care worth it for the new Apple TV? Do you buy Apple Care for things, Mike? Uh, some things I buy them for the phones because I could drop them and break them, um, and I buy them for uh, bigger computer purchases because they're expensive to replace, hmm. maybe fix too. So I have Apple Care on on the iMac, and I have Apple Care on my iPhone. So what do you think for this? I would say no for the Apple TV because yeah. it's relatively inexpensive to replace and it stays stationary. Yeah, you're not you're not carrying it around. It's it's also small. It's not particularly heavy, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and again, if it fails in the first whatever year or two, it's going to be covered by the standard warranty. So if there are production problems or something, you're going to be covered regardless. I, I I asked you that because I don't have Apple Care on anything. <laughs> so at all, I'm a bad I'm a bad person to ask about this. No, not at all. Interesting, because yeah, I I kind of follow one of those two um two things, right? So it's the idea of it doesn't move around a lot or is it really expensive? And if one of those answers is yes, then I will probably get Apple Care. 
Yeah, I'm an Apple Care never. I don't know. I mean, it probably works out better for you in the long run because the money you've saved on not buying Apple yeah. Care will will do a replacement. Where I've never taken anything in for a repair. Um, but when I'm, it's like the same as me buying all those devices. When I when I'm spending a ridiculous amount of money on something, adding that price on usually isn't that much of the overall percentage of the the price. You know, mm-hmm. like when I'm spending seven hundred pounds on a phone, adding another like ninety nine on for the protection of it doesn't seem too bad. You know. Yeah, it's fine. I get it. I just at this point I feel like I'm a, I'm way ahead. <laughs> but yeah, I've never had it. I don't know. If you know, if I do the Apple um if I do that Apple phone replacement thing, that would be the first time. If I do that plan, which I probably won't, but if I did that, that would be the first time I'd have Apple Care because it's you could say no, plan. I don't want it. You take that away well, from me. That, <laughs> that that may be one of the reasons why I just buy the full price phone instead of doing their installment plan. It's like I'm not paying for your Apple Care. You can't get your me Apple Care, man. Get that get Apple Care away, away from me. From me. It's smelly. Jonathan okay. uh, in- tweeted at us and included a link to a YouTube video, which I will include in the show notes. And Jonathan said, I stayed oh, up yeah. until 3 a.m. for this. First Should off, the- Jonathan, well, why? Uh, yeah. I hope you had other things going on. Me too. Uh, <laughs> should Apple Watch not animate back an hour more elegantly? So, so what Jonathan, Jonathan, I believe, is in to- the UK, and you guys just had your time change. We don't have ours until uh, this week. Well, somewhere, maybe in the UK, somewhere in Europe. Okay, somewhere in Europe. All right. Um, or maybe another part of the world because America decided a few years ago that they wanted to change. Anyway. Um, yeah. It's for the trick-or-treaters, Mike. It's to keep the trick-or-treaters safe. That is a... I'm not, we're not going to go down this. I've looked, I've that looked. is actually the reason. That is actually the reason. Okay. Okay, anyway. I hate this, by the way. but Because uh, right, right now we're anyway, a week yeah. off. So yes. you go in a week. The, the worst one is in the other side of the year where it's three weeks of difference. And it's everything yeah. goes later. Everything is earlier for me now. Anyway. Yeah, we're I'll complain about that in about six months' time. So mm-hmm. what happens like, is... Like clockwork. This isn't like clockwork. The, what happens on Apple, the Apple Watch. It's like the opposite of clockwork. So what happens is when the time changes, the an, there's no animation. So it just goes from three to two in like a flash. If you have ever changed time zone so you've maybe flown somewhere and seen what happens to your apple watch it's the same thing so when i got off the plane and i my phone came back to life there wasn't a a delightful spinning animation or anything like that where the watch finds its new time it just goes and like just in a quick of a flash and then it's just the new time and i really feel like they could animate it because the animation exists because the animation happens when you go into the changing watch faces thing, because mm-hmm. it always goes to that standard watch time of like, what is it, nine minutes past 10. And then when you put it back in again, it all kind of just flows back. You know, all the hands move until it goes back to the correct time. Yeah, you're right. But they don't do this for uh, time zone changes. And I really wish that they would. I agree with you. It would be fun. I, maybe they could even do it where it uh, where you actually see the minute the minute hand rotate all the way around like yeah like an old time movie of like the passage of time right i think that would be fun nice i I don't know why you wouldn't do that i i feel like you 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 should just do that because it's one of those things um 
It's just a little touch. It's like the it's like the Steve Jobs thing about how you make the wood on the back on the furniture that goes against the wall. You make the back look good, even though nobody's going to see it because it's just a little it's a little detail, and it, it's not going to be appreciated by a lot of people. But in this case, you're exactly right. They already have an animation to do this. Why wouldn't you do that? Because people are changing time zones all the time. Yep. They're probably not staring at their watch at two in the morning or three in the morning, whatever it is, in order to uh, in order to watch uh, their watch change automatically during a uh, daylight saving saving switch over but uh but still if they are reward them right yeah but also i feel like like anytime somebody changes time zone on a plane they will always look at their watch to ensure that it's changed that's true so i reckon a large majority of people see that that non-animation happen time zone gate it's starting right here if anybody out there (laughs) is working in the watch team could be you now know this, so if you change it, I'll know you did it for me. All right. I just want you to know that. I good, know that good, I'll know, know, and we will have that link forever. I, I will. I will point out that Apple has struggled with time zones on iOS for yeah. a while now, Ooh, and yeah. and daylight savings time, and alarms being broken, and stuff like that. So yeah, the fact that you know, it worked. Don't get me wrong. Very happy that it worked, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I would like this animation. Jason, Ed wrote in to ask if your photos book contains any tips on transitioning from Lightroom, and if not, is there a resource that you recommend? (laughs) Why why, why did you read this one? (laughs) Because if it doesn't, I still wanted to plug your book. If it does, Uh, we're plugging your book. Thanks for asking, Ed. Um, (laughs) uh, No, (laughs) my book contains nothing about Lightroom. Um, I've, I've not heard from a lot of people transitioning from Lightroom to photos. That's actually kind of a new one to me. I don't use Lightroom, even though I have it because I have the Adobe Photoshop, you know, photos bundle for creative cloud. Um, so I don't use it and I don't know anything about it. And I don't know if somebody like Jeff Carlson might have a resource because he's, he's very knowledgeable in all things Mac photography. He may have a, he may have something like that, but I, I, I dove deep into photos and I dealt with some aperture and iPhoto things because there are direct uh, imports from those, whereas from Lightroom, there's nothing supported that's direct. So that is not one of the things that's included in my book, Photos for Mac, a Take Control Crash Course, available at TakeControlBooks.com. Freshly upgraded for El Capitan. (laughs) So this is the thing. I expected it didn't, but wanted to just give you the the moment to plug the book, you know? so Thanks, Mike. There you go. So would you suggest to uh, our lovely listener, Ed, that he considers this move? Because you're going to be losing a lot, right? Because Lightroom is in active development. Like, if you move to photos, you'll be losing some stuff. I, I don't know enough about what Ed's needs are. He may be using Lightroom and thinking it's overkill, and then he'd rather just go back to photos. That's possible. Um, but, you know, photos, my impression of photos is that it's still not anything remotely close to a professional photography tool. It's got some more stuff now, but, you know, people coming from Aperture were generally kind of disappointed. And I think that, I think that coming from that direction, you're going to notice a lot of things that are missing in a way that... Uh, that people coming from iPhoto don't notice. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I it, it depends a lot on what Ed's, you know, why he wants to switch and what he uses this stuff for. But bottom line, Photos does a great job of importing uh, files into its database. And so, um, you know, and it will read out your metadata from your files. So if Lightroom, if your fo- photos that are in Lightroom have their data embedded in them, you know, their, their location data and stuff like that, it should read those. I'm not sure if you can write in, like, 
keywords and things like that. And there's no other kind of import process, nor is there enough scripting access, I believe, to make that um, a, an easier process, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and finally today, uh, at Tomato Trucks, which is fun. Good one. Uh, wanted to know if the Apple Watch was edition was cheaper, say the price of a regular Apple Watch, would we prefer it to our current watch? So I don't think I would like the gold shiny watch. Like if I did like a gold watch, I could buy the gold sport, right? But I, now I that we really, have now that we have the gold sport, yeah. Yeah, I I don't really want that. What do you think? Uh, I agree with you. I don't think I want a heavier watch, and the gold watches are heavier. And gold's not gold's not my thing. But uh, if I did want a gold watch now, I'm glad that I've got the option. I could get the gold sport if I wanted to do that. So, so no, I I um, I don't think I would want it. I, then again, I have the sport. I don't even have the regular with the stainless. So, yeah. Well, there you go. So no yeah. no gold watches here. Sorry. You don't have, you don't have to apologize. Unless unless someone in that watch team I just mentioned was already getting ready to ship us some. If you are a person in watch send, team, send it along. Yeah, feel free still. <laughs> like I I could, you know, hand it down as an heirloom Christopher Walken style to my kids in the future. Yeah, it's not it's not for me. Jason, that's brought us to the end of this week's episode. I think so. I think we did it 60. 60 down. Look at that. Look at that. 60 in just over 60. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to find us online, there's a couple of places you can do that. You should go to sixcolors.com and you can find Please. all of Jason's lovely work. And if you are listening live or very, very quickly, then you'll be able to catch the uh, earnings and announcement stuff that you're going to be doing. Maybe we'll talk about it next week if there's any really, really interesting tidbits that have to be really interesting for us to talk about them a week later, but probably will be interesting anyway. Mm. Maybe some of the uh, this is Tim type stuff could be could exactly. be worth discussion. We'll see, but you should go over there. Um, again, you should also, if you're listening very quickly, follow is it Six Colors Event. Yes, yes, of look course. at that. It's all locked in my brain, Jason. I, I've mm-hmm. got it all locked down here. And you could also follow Jason. He is at Jason L. Twitter J S N E L L, and I am at I Mike I M Y K E. Thanks again to our sponsors, Braintree, Igloo, and Mailroute Mailbagging, and we'll be back next time until then say goodbye Jason Snell goodbye everybody